Greetings friends, it's a blessing for me to come and just bring you the grace gospel, the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power of an empty grave, whereby we can walk in the abundance and the quality of life that God has for us. Uh, I want to welcome everybody, sit back, relax, know that you're going to hear a message that might challenge you, but that is always focused on the love of God. It's always focused on what God has come to do uh, for you. It's, a, it's a, a message that does not bring condemnation. And what I mean by condemnation is it does not bring or carry with it the power of death. It carries life. It also will not engage your flesh uh, that you would live from the power of the flesh but will always focus, put your focus on the resurrected, glorified Jesus, the, the man, Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, from where all life flows. So uh, that is what this is all about. So I want to welcome you to, uh, to this message, and uh, thank you for slotting in and allowing me to serve you with this good news. I would also like to bring to your attention, and I think I don't do it enough, uh, I should do it more. I would bring. I would like to bring to your attention that in our internet fellowship that we have, we have some web pastors that would, um, would. I mean, they would love to help you and assist you in uh, the sharing the gospel and counsel some of you, pray with some of you. So if you are a person that needs some help or needs some advice as pertaining to the gospel, uh, need prayer. Please go to info at dynamicministries.com, write an email, or you can see there this request where you can uh, place a request requesting a web pastor to contact you, and they will do so. These people are people that have just lived a normal lives in this world and have seen the power of the resurrection, the power of God's grace, the power of the gospel bring changes to their lives. They are people that will uh, be able to identify with you. They're not people that live high and mighty and uh, never in their life, lives had a, a difficult time. These are people that has lived with their feet solidly planted on the earth and can testify of the grace of Jesus Christ. And they would love to help and assist you and be there for you and ministering the gospel of grace to you. Well, with that said, let us just pray together as we then start our service. Father, I want to thank you for your grace and your goodness. I want to thank you for the power of the resurrection. I thank you that you powerfully uh, minister through me, minister to me, minister to the people. Thank you that we are just fellowshipping in your goodness and in your love and your grace. We don't have our fellowship in the ability of man or in the flesh. We, are, we have fellowship with the Father and with the Son in eternal life. And thank you that we can look at that and make that practical uh, today and see what that means for everyday living. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Right, uh, today I'm going to talk to you about what Christianity is all about. Uh, we're going to talk about new creation, what that really means. Now, for those of you that listen to my messages on YouTube and the daily devotionals that I said, send out, you will uh, remember that I spoke about something that C.S. Lewis said, and this is just outstanding. I've ministered on this several times in our internet church services, and I would like to talk about this again. <clears throat> It's an outstanding truth that will help each one of us in everyday living. 
Now, there is an article that was read and then placed on YouTube called Rabbit or Man. Uh, it is an article that was written by C.S. Lewis and then narrated by somebody. And uh, he just it, it is just very powerful. It is uh, philosophical. It will challenge your thinking. And uh, it is just powerful. And it, in the end, he mentions things about morality that is really, really life-changing. Now... <clears throat> Uh, this article was written in connection with a question that people regularly asked him. Now, C.S. Lewis was a professor and teaching in a lot of universities and with modernity and all these uh, change, you know, people that don't believe in God and atheism and all of that coming in and Darwin, Darwinism and so forth. He was challenged a lot about his Christianity and his belief in God. He was an atheist and then uh, got saved and then ministered or basically shared his beliefs. And he did it from a highly intellectual platform and so forth. And one of the questions people would ask him on a regular basis is, uh, if he says, because back then and even now, there are people that say this, is that it is impossible for a person to be moral if he's not a Christian. And if he thinks that is the case. He then goes on and argues that Christianity doesn't really deal with morality uh, in that sense. The aim of Christianity is not moral living, which sounds absolutely uh, wrong. It sounds as if that is one of the most dangerous things that there could be. But he goes on and he explains that morality is not the goal, but there's something that's, that, that is higher than morality that's actually the goal, and that is to attain unto the very life of God bodily. That is what he's talking about. He then likens morality to a mountain that we think we need to climb, to climb this moral mountain. And it's a high mountain, something like Everest. And what he then argues and says is that Christianity basically is all about teaching you that you cannot be moral uh, and that you cannot have the highest moral standard or you cannot be fully moral. That would be the right word. Not even for 24 hours using your own willpower and your own understanding and efforts. And my reasoning for that is as simple is we have mortal flesh that is subject to death and decay that will worry about itself and try to promote its own life and true morality is not found in how you can promote your own life but basically in how you can lay down your life for others and uh, we find that if you really understand the gospel for what it truly is and the writings of the Bible for what it truly is, it will point out to you and it will be difficult for most people to, to grasp and or I wouldn't say to grasp, to take. It's easy to grasp but it's difficult to acknowledge that you cannot be the moral being you think you can be. It is impossible. You will, you're not going to reach the summit. Uh, of this moral mountain that you think you should climb. And then what, it also, uh, what, what we also will realize is that should you be able to reach the summit, should you be able to reach the top of the mountain, you'll find there you're going to freeze to death and you're going to die of uh, uh, hypothermia, exposure. You're going to die of exposure and you're going to simply be alone. You're going to die of loneliness and Exposure to the elements. It is a very lonely place reaching the top of morality. 
and I think he's what he has in mind is some of uh, some takes on Buddhism and so forth, where you must deny yourself all pleasures and uh, live a holy life to the point that you basically have nothing to do with anybody and you just separate yourself and there you live absolutely holy in loneliness and uh, not actually loving on people the way you supposed to love on them uh it is i think he he was dealing with some ideologies there and at that place that summit uh where people find they cannot go further which is the highest morality you find that uh, what Christianity teaches you is that that is actually just the starting place of reaching the life that God wants. It's not even going high at all. But what you're really in need of is wings. Uh, it's about flying. It's about enjoying the flight of God. And all of that in a physical body. That is what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about how moral can we live. It is not about that. There's no life on the other side of trying to live moral. It, we can liken it to uh, this glass of water. Let's say this glass of water represents a person's life. Um, 80 years or 90 years on earth, you've got so much life. And if, it, if I take this glass and I put it outside in the sun, you'll find that the water evaporates. The life uh, becomes less and less and less. And as you want to give life and produce life, and you take some of this life and you pour it out in another glass, you'll find, yes, you can maybe bring a form of life to, to someone else uh, by your good works or your, or your commitment, but every time you do it, you're losing life. And uh, it's like giving life in order to, for, uh, for someone else to have life. And then when they give some of that life, it becomes less and less and less. And eventually, there's just not, nothing left. And what is actually needed is an eternal source of life, a fountain of life. That is what is needed. And that is what God has basically come to give to each one of us. So Christianity is not about trying to live a moral life. It's about sharing in the life of God and uh, good morals doesn't have anything against the love, uh, the life that God has. That is what it's actually about. We don't find the Father, Son, Spirit in the Godhead uh, trying to live moral or measure their life by moral standards. We just find that their life is the authentic life, the eternal life. Uh, morals basically and people thinking that they should live morally uh, morals actually exist on account of that life although that life is not subject to morals it is the source of all good so that is what God has basically come to share with us it is new creation when we look at and this is what Lewis says and what the Bible says the gospel is not about morality it's about new creation recreation uh, having our bodies who we are as people remade that is what it's about and as we discover the new creation we maybe um, will endure some pain in this sense that we painfully will have to accept the correction that there is which I'm basically giving right now and which the scripture gives, which Hebrews talks about all the time and says that correction is not pleasurable. Uh, any correction is not pleasurable because you might have thought that you were right and then you find that you're on the wrong path and now you're being corrected. It 
speaks a bit to your ego and so forth. But we would find out, and it might even be painful, that all our efforts and what we think we are to do, especially to the Jews back then, or even now if you go and look at the New Age way of thinking and uh, uh, spiritists and so forth, which thinks just all about their spirits, you know, and uh, reaching a higher level, the resurrection of Jesus and the new creation of a human being is a harsh rebuke to those kind of beliefs. It's a harsh rebuke to the Judaism of the day. It's a a harsh rebuke to even Christianity as it is today in many forms where we think it is about trying to live right and do right and all those kind of things. No, it's about physical recreation, a new creation. That is what all of this is about. Now, I want to just read what I put on my notes here. Um. I said here, new creation is not the empowerment unto moral living. Uh, God is not moral. Now, please uh, hear what I'm trying to say. Don't hear, don't try and, don't say that I'm saying things that I'm not saying. Please listen to the whole context here. God is not moral. He is the original life. Jesus and the Father does not live according to morals. They possess eternal life a life that is not moral just let's talk about it in this world why would we say it is not moral uh, how do we measure that moral comes just comes from an old word from in latin and in french that simply talks about the laws of society and society has got certain laws the laws of society is there so there can be longevity uh, for people and that people can live, that they will not die. That's why there are certain laws. There's laws about speed. There's laws about uh, food. There's laws about there's l- certain safety standards and all those kind of things. Why? So that people will live and not die. Through these morals and by people obeying these morals, we then find that society can live a bit longer or that people will not be killed and murdered by others. <clears throat> so we find the society agreeing on what is right. They agree on what is good. And normally what's right and good is measured uh, according to the, stand, the standard of life. So whatever promotes living, we would say that is a good moral and then when we live according to those morals, we will live longer. That's how it is. Now, God doesn't live according to those morals so that he can live longer. No, he's got eternal life. He doesn't have any need to obey morals. We then just find eternal life is a life of kindness and goodness wherein it is uh, a, a, a sacrificial life when you want to give and bring forth life. That is what it is. So God possesses eternal life. That is how all of this works. And I think if we can realize that God has come to share that life with us as humans, uh, that we can have eternal life, and then we can look at this eternal life, we can identify with eternal life, and then we will find uh, that life manifest in our flesh. That is what this is all about. It's about the recreation of, or a new creation of physicality. That is what Christianity is about. So Lewis basically answered and he said, listen guys, uh, you are missing the whole thing. 
Christianity is about glorified human flesh that can never die. And then having that life manifest in us by God. That is what it is all about. If we look at what's going on in Europe at the moment with the war between the Ukraine and, um, and Putin, do you think that the Ukraine don't have morals? They do have morals according to their society. Do you think that Putin don't have morals? They do have morals according to their society. And they're living according to their morals. And then you have uh, NATO and the other European countries and the United States. And they have certain morals that they try to live according to. In which all of those people you'll find they bend and twist their morals. But what do we find at the end of their morality? We find bombs. We find people dying. That's what we find. And we find put on display every person living according to his morals. Uh, we find war and we find people die. And this is exactly what, uh, what one person also said. He said he had a dream. And in this dream, he saw that all the uh, great philosophers and people rose from the dead. And then uh, it signified their ideologies and philosophies. And these people were fighting each other. In this guy's dream, they all rose from the dead and they were fighting each other. And then after a while, they saw the resurrected Christ and they bowed to him. Every philosophy that there is in the earth, at the end of the day, amounts to war and killing one another, except for the resurrected Jesus Christ. And all of those philosophies has to bow to what I'm ministering to you today, the resurrected Christ. Christ and him bringing forth new creation and the life of God in all of us. That is what it is about. The most moral thing that you can find um, in, 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 I mean, some people say the highest moral thing that there can be in Europe now is to take guns and kill Putin. Just listen to that. Just listen to that. Is that life-giving? It's not life-giving. Putin would say, the highest moral thing to do when people want to put guns on my doorstep is to kill them. <laughs> that's, that's what our morality amounts to. God is not a killer. He says that people are dying anyway. And let me bring life to them. They, go in, they, are, they are on the path of destruction. They are dying because of a lack of my life. That's why they are dying. God's not a killer or a, or a murderer. He comes to dying man. He warns man and says, I don't want you to die. Then he says to people, listen, you know, the, the, there'll be a day where all life manifests. And if you're not part of it, you will continue. The, the end of this path is utter death. He's not the killer. He's the giver of life. You can already see that God's morality is much higher than any of these people's morality the worst thing that we can find i didn't even want to say that but let me throw this in there is that when we take our human morality and we want to christianize it and put a slap the name of jesus on top of that and then uh, think that god empowers us to murder and kill that's wrong it's just simply wrong uh, it is just the way it is uh, if we want to live by our ability to live morally we will die by that but we, will, we can only live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. So the point that I'm trying to make here is that we're not climbing the moral ladder. We are sharing the life of God that he has come to give us. And we're going to look at what that looks like now. I would like to go to Galatians chapter um, 6 and verse 15. 
as our introduction scripture here. Move this a bit closer. It says here uh, from verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature or a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be unto them and mercy upon the Israel of God. Isn't that absolutely powerful? What he says here is, and the way Paul looks at the whole situation here, is he says that uh, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Now, what the Jews would hear and what the Gentiles would hear is moral living according to the law of the Jews, or what they would say is the law of God, moral living according to the law of God. Neither any of that, uh, attains unto anything. The Afrikaans translation says, says it very uh, uh, powerful here. The English says avails unto anything. The Afrikaans says, and I'm going to look uh, share with you there, it says, Want in Christus Jesus het nog die besnijdenis, nog die onbesnijdenis, enige kracht. It says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any power. But the only thing that has power is new creation. So the only thing that has power unto bringing a change in this world, the only thing that has power unto bringing a change in your life is new creation. Now, where have you ever seen new creation? If you think of uh, history, have you ever seen new creation? Where is new creation? Many of us as erroneously think that new creation is what happens to our spirits when we believe in Jesus that we now have had a dead spirit and now our spirit comes alive as if a spirit can die a spirit cannot die if you uh, talking it's a source of life the source of god's life you know towards man what makes man alive so uh, he says we had this theology that the spirit dies uh, in adam the spirit died and then people live with dead spirits and now their spirits are born again they now come to life now, that is not new creation that Paul had in mind. And I'm going to just uh, quickly quote the verse for you to, uh, exp uh, to prove the context there. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become or are become new. I want to read verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yes, then, yet henceforth know we him not like that anymore. So what he's saying is, is that they did know Jesus according to the flesh. What that means is, and what the people would have understood in context here, is they would have known Jesus as a Jew. Now, Jesus died, he was raised from the dead, and he was raised and he had flesh, he had he had, uh, and he acknowledged that he had flesh because after his resurrection, he said, touch me, it is I. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. So did Jesus have a flesh body? He did have a physical body, but the body wasn't fleshly. It was physical, but not fleshly. It wasn't mortal. It cannot sin. It lives forever. It is eternal. 
So we find that Jesus Christ was born from Mary, had a normal physical body. He then died on the cross. He took upon upon him the sin of the whole world. I, I argue at the baptism already. He then died and entered into death itself. And then when he was raised from the dead, he was born again. He was born from the dead. And he was the first born from the dead. So, and then uh, he was first born from the dead and he calls us brethren. And the hope would then be that we would also be born from the dead. And that is called new creation. So there was a creation where Jesus was born from Mary, but then his body was recreated. The, the, the Jesus Jesus' physical body was born from Mary, but now the second time, and I've preached about this before, his body was born from the Holy Spirit. And that is a kind of creation that never existed in history. It's the first time in history from before the world began that there existed such a person. And this is Jesus Christ. And that is called a new creation. So the scripture says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has got any power, but the only power that there truly is, is that of new creation. So the only thing that can bring forth the life of God in us or have God's goal in us is a new creation. And that creation, the moment you think of creation, you need to think of physicality. When we think of creation... We think of the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Talks about chaos, talks about disorder, and so forth. Um, If you go and study, do yourself a favor and just type that in and and type in, uh, you know, Mesopotamian beliefs about it and so forth, and what the people and the the, the Jews believed about these kind of things. It would be amazing. It will be eye opening to you. Um, unless you've already studied these things, obviously. So here's Jesus, uh, or excuse me, you find creation, and then after you've, and in creation, we look at creation, and then all of a sudden Paul talks about new creation. What would the Jew have in mind? He would have in mind that creation was now made new, or that there is a complete new creation something that has never been. And here we find that there was a new creation, but there was uh, something that continued from the other creation, the normal mortal creation. So we find God creating something new, but the substance or part of what he uses in this new creation, the earth he uses is the physical person that lived. And here we find Jesus lived. He died. He was then born from the dead, born again. And the only power we have as Christians is that new creation, the man, Jesus Christ. That's the only power we have unto what God has dreamt for us. And that is what Paul says there. That is what we find in Galatians 6.15. He says, I cannot boast in my flesh. He says, because the only power there is, is in new creation, because neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has got any power. Here he says, and I'm reading uh, verse 16 again, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. He says, I don't know Jesus anymore as a Jew, although when he was raised from the dead... It was the very same one that died, but he wasn't a Jew anymore because he didn't owe his birth anymore from uh, Mary, the birth of his physical body. 
but his body was now born of God, so we, don't, we cannot call him a Jew anymore. It's wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. So we don't have this Jew-Gentile thing as reality anymore. What we live by and how we want to know people is from new creation. It's though we have known Christ after the flesh. We have known Jesus as a Jew. But now we don't know him as a Jew anymore. But it's not that we don't know him anymore as a physical person. Because after he was raised from the dead, he says, touch me. Flesh and blood does not, or spirit does not have flesh and bone. That meant that he is not a spirit that possesses a body. (laughs) He He is a person. He says, I, I, me. It's me. It's really I. It's me. It says here, um, you know, I can cook a meal for you, which he did. And he then says here that he became new. And Paul says here, therefore, if any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all these things that has now become new are of God who has reconciled us to himself by the man I want to put in there, Jesus Christ, and has given unto us this ministry wherein we are uh, talking about reconciliation, where he reconciles mortal man to the condition of God, which can only take place in the form of eternal life as portrayed in Jesus Christ. If you want to look at how a man looks that's been reconciled unto God, you have to look at the resurrected Jesus. And this is what he has come to give us. Let us get back to Lewis. Lewis said that it is not about, and this is what Lewis basically said in his article, that it is not about morals. It's about new creation. That is what Christianity is all about. And we find Paul lives from that as if it's true. Why? Because it is true. That is why he's continue, continuing to live uh, in, that, uh, in that mindset. I want to just go to John 3. I'm going to read from verse 3 to 5, and you'll understand what Jesus is saying here. Jesus said unto Nicodemus, Very, very, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus, in other words, you cannot, you, 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 in, unless you are born again, how will you see God's kingdom? It is impossible. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said, verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. I'm going to read it just the way uh, the readers would have understood this. That which is born of the flesh is fleshly, and that which is born of the spirit is spiritual. So what he's saying to Nicodemus, you, and when he said to Nicodemus, you, what was Nicodemus thinking? He was thinking him, me. So if you say Bertie, I'm not thinking of my spirit, I'm thinking of myself, me. He says, you need to be born again. Nicodemus perfectly understood what Jesus was saying. He was referring to him as a physical person. You need to be born again. He said, how is this possible? He says, let me tell you something. Uh, Your body can be born of the Spirit. You can be recreated. You can become a new creation. And unless you become a new creation, you will not be able to see, enter, or experience the rule of the kingdom of God. You have to have that new, uh, new birth. 
And we find that Jesus was the firstborn from the dead so that he could be the firstborn amongst many brethren. And that is what Christianity is about. It's about new creation. It's not, I mean, morals is not what we try to attain. We are aiming for something that's much higher. We are aiming for recreation. And the beautiful thing is, is that it did take place in Jesus Christ and um, it will still manifest in us, but we'll get to that. So John 3 talks about the new creation. That's what Jesus is talking about. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Excuse me. This computer is a bit disobedient. Right, Ephesians 2.10. It says here, We are not saved by works, lest we should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. So, we might think that we were created, but then it says here that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Who is Christ Jesus? Christ Jesus is the man that was raised from the dead. That is it. We are created in him unto good works. In other words, what he's arguing here is that the new creation will have the manifestation of good works and we are created unto the good work which he has planned for us from before the world began which would be to give unto us eternal life so that our fellowship could be with the father and the son in eternal life that is what it is all about uh, if we look at uh, um, the scripture in first john chapter one let me read it It is very beautiful. It says it like this. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Talking about a promise of life that was from before the world began. We've seen it. It has manifested. It says, That which we've seen and heard, verse 3, Declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. So Christianity is about having fellowship with with God, where God lives in eternal life, and then God would then have a promise of life for us, and then he would raise Jesus from the dead, and as we believe upon him, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, we have fellowship with him. It's not about a climbing the moral ladder, it is about sharing and fellowshipping in what God has and Jesus has. That is the aim. It's much higher than what any person can ever reach. If we look again, and sorry for repeating myself in this, but if we look again at uh, just what's happening in, in Europe, uh, it is amazing to see that the highest morality that could be attained by countries at the end of the day is resulting in this utter death it's accompanied by death. It is not conquering death. People are dying. People are saying, let's be moral. This is the moral thing to do. Let us drop bombs. Just, just listen to that. Just listen to that. It, it is just not right. How can we attain unto the very life of God by constitutions? 
It is impossible. What had to take place was so far-fetched, if you want to call it like that. It was not even far-fetched. Far-fetched is the wrong word. It is outside of man's understanding and logic. It had to be a new, physically new creation. That is what had to take place. And John says that what had to take place is we had to have our fellowship with God. Here's the eternal God. Here's the Son of God. A true God, if you want to call it like that. Sorry for using A, but I want to bring a certain emphasis here. And we would then discover in Him a true God. A true Son of God. Fellowshipping in the fullness of God in every part of us. Hallelujah. That is, that is the end goal. Then I want to uh, quickly go here to uh, Matthew, talking about new creation. Matthew 12, 33. It says, either make the tree good and the fruit good. Here is what we need to do. Or make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is the commandment that Jesus is saying? He's basically saying, you need to be recreated. Recreate yourself. Make the tree good and its fruit good. How can you that are evil speak good things? So what he's saying is, is the, the tree, the root, the, the very source must be made new. How are you going to make the tree good? It's impossible for a tree that is not good to make itself a good tree. It has to be uprooted or recreated. That is, that is what's got to take place. And then from the abundance of a good heart and the treasure of a good heart in recreation, you'll find good flow out of the mouth. So we are not trying to change our words. There's nothing as frustrating as this positive confession message. We confess. We we now creating by our speech and whatever. But from the death we are in and our moral ability, we're trying to confess right to change the world. No, what about just taking part in a new creation? And what about letting go of Gnosticism where we define the new creation as physical? What about taking God's word on new creation, which is Jesus? What about that? There's no place in Christianity for Gnosticism. There's no place in Christianity for the message of just the inner man is now recreated. No, there's a message in Christianity that from the inner man and the mind, Paul calls it the inner man, the mind, or the heart. It's just translated synonymously with with mind. So from the mind, I want to do good, but I find that the good that I want to do, I cannot do. And I find a weakness, and that is my mortal body that cannot uh, measure up to the eternal uh, uh, spirit life of the law. I cannot attain unto that. And then he comes to the conclusion, who will recreate my body, if I want to use that? Who may bring me forth as a new creation? And then he says, I thank God in Christ. He makes me new. Hallelujah. So we find there, Jesus says, new creation. Hebrews 4.12 says that the, 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 the sword of the Spirit or the, the Word of God is quick. It's full of life and sharper than any two-edged sword and can distribute life to every part of us. Spirit, soul, body. There's nothing that's not laid bare before the sword of God, the word of life. It will bring life to every part of you. So why can we not, in the presence of an empty grave, in the presence of Jesus seated at the right hand of God, not fully associate with who he is 
as the new creation and then say we are in him we are co-seated with him glory to god i want to just um i want to where's that passage now i think I've, I've missed it out on it let's go to philippians well that was actually ephesians 2 8 that i'm thinking of but let us skip that i need to finish up here philippians 3 verse 20 It says, I'm going to read from verse 17. It says, Brethren and fellow, uh, it says, Brethren, be followers together with us, and mark them which walk as we have. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Then it goes on, it says, for our conversation is in heaven. Now that doesn't mean we, uh, 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 um, we are not here. That's not what it means. It says, for our conversation, that word conversation, I've ministered this before, I'm going to read it to you again from the Greek here. It is, it is, it is the... Um, It's the Greek word politiumai, where we get our word politic from. Our politic. Politic means uh, how you live as a citizen of a country. It says our way of living as citizens is heavenly. From where also we look for the Savior, the Lord, who will change our veil bodies and fashion it like his glorious body, according to the working whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. So what he is saying is, is that he will subdue all things unto himself, he will change our vile bodies, and we are having our citizenship, or we are saying or seeing ourselves as members of the heavenly glorified new creation. That's why, where we live from, that is our rationale. Rational thinking was given unto the church by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We cannot think rationally about the world outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We cannot observe what the true problem is outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let's make it practical again going to uh, the war that is in Europe. The people are not thinking rationally. If they had any rational thinking, they would have said the solution to this problem is new creation. The presidents of the countries would have made all effort to preach the gospel and explain new creation. They would have made all effort to share the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the importance of it with people. And both of them, Putin as well as the president of um, the Ukraine, and we can just throw in there America and some of these European countries' presence as well. If they had the logic of God, 
they would have humbled themselves. They would have said, listen, man, we don't want to invade. Or the other, others would have said, listen, our life is not any way of, of uh, this, uh, our country or our land. Uh, let us just live in peace. You don't have to put bombs here. Or the other one would have said, I don't see any need to, I, I'm not threatened by death. I live by life. That is rational thinking according to God. None of them think rationally. All of them think from the flesh and try to live by the power of themselves. And the sad thing is, is that the church can be drawn into that and then find death in themselves as they think that way. The worst thing is to get the church involved in that uh, outside of true rational thinking. So we find here that Paul thinks rationally. He's, to him it's rational that if Jesus was bodily raised from the dead which he was, and a new creation has taken place. And God has put us in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places, so that in the ages to come, he might reveal through his grace the fullness of who he is in us. And we believe upon him and we have the same spirit that has been poured out on our flesh. We have the same spirit that it is simply logical to think and reason from that reality and so have life. That is what he is saying. That's Paul's argument. And we can see it now. And this is how he says you will live a holy life. Romans 6. And I'm going to end off. I've got two scriptures. Listen to what Paul says. Now if you have died with Christ, believe that you will also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon, let your logic be, let your calculation, make an inventory. Okay, do that about yourself. That you are dead indeed unto sin or that which keeps you into bondage. And you are alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let sin on account of this truth not have its reign in your mortal body. So what is he saying? Yes, you have a mortal body, but you can calculate and think rationally about the truth of the resurrection of Jesus and account yourself as dead unto sin and that you have conquered death that eternal life is yours and not as pertaining to your spirit as pertaining to new creation and the moment that happens you place yourself in a place where you are not uh, standing under the reign of mortality but you stand under the reign of life although you have a mortal body that is what he is saying The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, and we can have the same in Colossians, and I'm going to end off with this verse. So what does Paul say? How do I live a holy life? By identifying with the resurrected Jesus. We can say as Christians, but we have problems to sort out before people will, will understand this truth. The more you think like that, the less you'll be involved in really being an answer uh, and bringing the true answer to problems in this world. Because you will, there's always something of the interim that you need to sort out. Why don't we just focus on what is true and right and live from there?
So Paul says here, let not sin reign in your mortal body. How would sin reign in your mortal body? By not identifying with eternal life, physical recreation. It was now on, on, on Facebook again, I said there, you're not a spirit, you are a human. And many people liked it and there was also a lot of discussion about it because it's difficult for people to think that they are human beings. And this is what the devil wants. Sorry if I go off on this again, but let me just say this. Um, what the devil wanted is he wanted Adam and Eve to believe that they are eternal beings free from God. In other words, you are just eternal anyway. So just live right. That's all. God said to Adam and Eve, listen, the day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. In Afrikaans it says, die dag wat jy van eet sal jy sekerlik sterwe. The emphasis is on the surely. So it says, the day you eat thereof, your death will be certain. doesn't mean the day you eat thereof, you'll drop dead. It means the day you eat thereof, your death is certain. And that is in context with the rest of Genesis, uh, because people say the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your spirit died. No, it is not true. The day they ate thereof, their death was certain. And in chapter 3, we find that God describes the death. He says, cursed is the earth uh, because of you, because you now by your own power want to have dominion over the earth and bring order uh, to the earth according to the order of your own mortality. And now what's going to happen is you're going to bring destruction because as a mortal man you want to rule over the earth. And what you are is dust. And unto dust you'll return. That is what it is. And now we find the answer in Jesus Christ. He comes into the form and the likeness of sinful man, dust man, and a new creation takes place. And he rules over mortality to bring order, the order of eternal life to the chaos in the world. And as we submit to that, we find the order of life in our flesh. And that is what subdues sin in the flesh. And that is what uh, the, the, the president of America needs. That's what the president of Canada needs. That's what the president of uh, South Africa needs. That's what Putin needs. And that's what all these people need and their cabinets. They need recreation, new creation to repent and be saved, man. That's what they need. Doesn't help we as Christians get caught up into, in, into anything else. Salvation is needed. Recreation, new creation. And let me tell you this. If those people are not receiving the new creation, they will perish and die and never live. That is what will take place. And we who are in Christ, since Christ is the most humble one and the humble inherit the earth, since he has inherited the earth, we are blessed to with him have eternal life bodily and rule in eternal life in, the phys in physicality by his doing. And from that truth, we run our business. From that truth and reality, we live our lives and have our politic. Because we are citizens of heaven and we conduct ourselves from the source of all life. That is what's happening. I'll end off with Colossians 3.1. The answer to the problems of the world is very simple. Very simple. What's complicated is uh, people don't believe it. And then we see the complication of 
human willpower living in an unrenewed mind and body. That's the problem. Listen to what it says, and this is my advice to all of you and even to myself and my family and everybody that's here. If you be risen with Christ, which we are, seek those things which are above. Above means of eternal life, of it, which is eternal. Where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection, that word affection means nostalgia, basically. On the things that's above. Set your affections. You want to uh, set that ag- uh, check that again here. It also means to have your understanding or be wise. Set your wisdom on the things that's above, not the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That word hidden simply means to be concealed or kept secret. So the world doesn't know who we are because who we really are is kept secret. We are already the eternal and the immortal, but what we are does not yet appear. It appears as if we are just mortal men, but we are not. (laughs) We are not mortal men that just die. When there are people that die, and then there are people when they die, Paul recalls that as sleep. We'll just wake up. We're just taking a nap. And we as people, as the physical people, will be raised from the dead. And what we are shall appear. But what we are is hidden now. But he says here, set your affection, let your wisdom, let how you live be in the reality of the new creation. Not in moral standards climbing the moral mountain, but in new creation from where your life flows. Who you are is hidden. But let me have good news. And this is what he says. Set your affection uh, uh, above, not on the things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with God in Christ. Then the powerful verse 4. When Christ who is your life shall appear. Then shall you also not be hidden anymore. But the truth about who you are will appear with him in glory. (laughs) Imagine the presence of countries would believe this. Man, let's go. Imagine the church would believe this. Imagine the church would believe this. My goodness. Wouldn't that be good? What if the church, when it comes to wars and rumors of wars and those kind of things, make an appeal to the presence of countries? And that's what I'm doing. I'm appealing to presence of countries, to leaders, to find their life in Christ, to look at new creation and consider that. And so have peace, have a life born from the resurrected Jesus Christ. And you will find, like Jesus, whose life was born from what is eternal, they draw the sword. Listen to what Jesus did. If Jesus would live today, this is what he would do. They draw the sword. (laughs) They want to defend him, but his kingdom is not of this earth. His kingdom is of heaven. So now we see what eternal life looks like in the physical right now. They take the sword. They're about to kill Jesus. They cut. The, the, uh, uh, the, they want to kill Jesus. This, Peter takes the sword, chops off the high priest's servant's ear. And what does Jesus do? That would be equivalent to drop a bomb. And Jesus comes and takes the ear and put it back. It would have been like 
You go, you think you're defending Christianity in your war, you drop the bomb, and then Jesus Christ goes and quickly, in a second, rebuild all the buildings and saying, listen, wait, stop this, you're going to kill yourself this way. But Bertie, we're not, in, we're not in the mood for that. Well, then you're in the mood for death. Then you're in the mood for death. There has to come a time when we humble ourselves to the point where we look at what Jesus Christ has done for us and we're serious about it and we say, Lord, rule over me. And you know what is the consequences of this? You'll have life. You will have life. That's what it's all about. Well, I've preached long. I've enjoyed my message. I hope you've enjoyed it yourself. Uh, know that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ. You're a new creation, man. That's where we live from. And that new creation is not my spirit is new. No, your body is new. But you don't see it. It doesn't matter. It is concealed in Christ. And when he appears, you as a son, already son, will be revealed. That's what it means. Glory to God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that we can gather around your eternal word. Thank you that we can gather around new creation. Thank you that we can gather around what, is, what the scripture says is that uh, there's a veil, but the veil is taken away in the reading of Christ. Our life is not veil or hidden. We now live a holy life, not by the moral ladder, but the holy life we live is not even because we must live it. It is on account of the new creation that we're partaking in. Our fellowship is with God. Thank you, Lord. I declare every person listening to this message blessed. And this blessing goes everywhere in the world. I thank you, Father, that I can stretch forth my hands right now and, and uh, to this camera. And I thank you that you stretch forth your hand to every person and bringing forth signs, wonders, miracles and healings in their bodies as signs of the new creation and recreation of the physical body wherein you are, Lord. Thank you for, for stretching forth your hand to signs, wonders and miracles, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you for uh, slotting in and we'll talk again next week. God bless.